I'd like to start with a quote from Dr. John Longbottom that some of you may have read in our newsletter uh, this week. This senseless violence is symptomatic of a deeper dysfunction within our society. As the means of wounding and killing proliferate, it is hard to know where this ends. While I risk sounding very religious, there is a deeper spiritual condition affecting the American soul. We are alienated from one another in ways that cannot be sustained. Our culture is drifting into a danger zone propelled by the manner in which we talk to and past one another. Words are powerful and lead some who are already very damaged to actions that most of us believe should and could never happen. These are words he wrote regarding the shooting in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, just as his newsletter came out, I was having this similar thought and um, I think the words that he used, a deeper dysfunction, uh, is more appropriate. Um, from a sociological perspective, that would be a consequence of a social practice or a behavior pattern that undermines the stability of our social system. Acts of violence in our culture is a symptom of a much deeper behavior pattern, in my personal opinion. It is not the act of violence or the means of violence, it is the fact that there is a deeper dysfunction and pattern that is happening that is a symptom of something larger. And one of these behavior patterns, I believe, is really rooted in fear. Fear of each other, fear of uncertainty, fear of opposing ideas, fear of change, and the list goes on and on and on, so much fear. This is the Sitz in Leben, it's the German saying for the setting in life in which we find ourselves. We cannot view violence separate from our larger contemporary context in which it emerges. Some have said that this is the least violent time in the history of the world. Statistically speaking, that may be true, but it sure doesn't feel like it. There are endless wars and human trafficking, and some communities are overrun with violence. Technology was supposed to help us but as with any tool, it too can now be used as a weapon. And so now we can be violent and offensive with each other online. How nice. <laughs> the media only fuels this culture of violence by creating more angst and more fear by embracing the mantra, and you probably heard it before, if it bleeds, it leaves. And they can't be blamed, we tune right in and watch it. So it continues. We eat a well-rounded violence 
diet that creates more fear in each of us and each other. Fear of uncertainty, more fear of opposing ideas, more fear of change. You may not know it, but that is what is stressing you the hell out. <laughs> it is your diet of violence, raising your fear. There are physiological things that happen when you are in a state of fear and anxiety. Picture in the morning when your alarm goes off, you start your day with fear. <laughs> is it not true? The very purpose of the alarm is to scare the daylights out of you so that you wake up. <laughs> now take that feeling of the alarm and dampen it some and just know that that's what you live with now every minute of the day. Fear. It's there. Right there. Grasping us. What are you taking in? In the words of the Beatles, love is all we need. And I think we've taken this love and we make it sentimental and we say just, you know, love your neighbor and, and that's just supposed to move you. No, I'm talking about the, the love uh, that Dr. King was talking about when he said it's an agape kind of love, a love that goes any link to restore community. It's not a let me give you a handout and pat you on your back, or, oh, I will disagree to disagree and walk away. No, it is, I'm gonna sit here and listen to you. I don't agree, but I wanna listen because maybe something's there. God is in you just as God is in me, so what am I missing? Love that goes to any link to restore community. See, when some of us hear those words, we think it means to take to the streets and sign petitions and recall the governor and take down the mayor. But I believe a love that goes to any link means more than that. Some of us are so busy trying to go save the world that we're not taking time to save ourselves. We engage in justice work without love in our hearts. Some of our justice work itself is rooted in fear. Fear of racism, fear of violence, not rooted in the love that goes the distance to restore community. So even in the justice work, it is flawed because it's rooted in the fear that has been fed by so much. One thing we can do right now, today, is to take care of what we have control over, what you have control over, you. There's something called a habit loop. I've been reading this book called The Power of Habit. And uh, this doctor proposes that the habit loop is something like this. There's a cue, then a routine, and then a reward. Now, he is clear to say that addiction can't really be boiled down to that because there's a lot of other psychological stuff behind it, but in any habit, there's a cue, routine, and a reward. A lot of us have gotten stuck 
in that queue and the routine, which is usually let's attack each other on Facebook, get mad and, and, and yell at people, right? In these conversations that have no depth online. And then we may go to a prayer vigil and then we have a church service and then it fades away and we move on. But I'm saying there may be a cue, but you and I have control over changing the routine. You see, the habit's not going to change. There's always going to be a cue. But what we have control over is the routine and how we respond. And can we respond in a way that doesn't kick up the fear? Can we respond in a way that shows love that goes to any link to restore our community? The next time there's a cue, what will your response be? In our work development class in, in, uh, the, a few weeks ago when I was up in Cleveland, stranded and away from you, uh, trying to get back during the hurricane, we were sitting around in the class and we were having this discussion last night uh, uh, after I left the Diana Country dinner and I went out and uh, I usually don't drink on Sunday, but I had one because we had a friend in town. So, uh, <laughs> so I left the country dinner, went over, had one, and then went home to go to bed so we can get up. And so um, we're having this conversation, and I, I mentioned my oral development class in which we had a conversation about wouldn't it be great if we could invent something like Amazon, reduce the prices, and do free shipping, and send stuff to all the poor people who need all these wonderful things that we have. This, this is the, I mean, it was a much larger conversation than that, but I'm just boiling it down to how silly it sounded, and I was participating And then someone said, has anyone considered the fact that the people you want to help don't have internet service? Right. Has anyone considered the fact that the people you want to help don't have a bank account? Right. Has anyone considered the fact that the people that you want to help don't have an iPad or a computer? See, in that room of all of these privileged folks, black, white, blue, and green, we have all these toys. And we think if we can just reduce the price of something, that would help the poor people get better. It is not that others just don't know any better. They don't know any different. And in that moment, I realized I didn't know any different either. That conversation turned to one of our other friends who's an attorney telling us about this story of her going into a school to help young kids get tennis shoes. And, and one of the people on this group said, oh, well, we need to make sure that we have socks. Well, our friend who's an attorney says, why don't you make sure they have socks? Everybody has socks. You know, everybody has socks. You know? And so they go into the school and they take socks with them. And so the principal has all the kids that doesn't don't have socks to stand up to stay to stay seated. All the kids with socks stood up, and lo and behold, there were kids there in polo shirts, designer jeans, and Jordan tennis shoes with no socks. And the first thing we saw in our little privilege, you know, we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps, brute, because we came from nothing into what we are today. But the first thing we were thinking is, well, why would you have all that fancy stuff and no socks? It's not that they don't know any better. They don't know any different. They don't know any different. And that is what I am coming to learn when I'm trying to deal with people 
who think other than I do, in other ways than I do, and who believe other things than I do. You see, that algorithm on Facebook has locked you into your little community that all believes the same. So has the Twitter algorithm. And so when we think about that habit loop, can we think about those who know different than we know before we start engaging in that habit loop of old? No judgment. Love that goes the distance to restore community. We can break down some of this fear and be transformed by restoring communities right here. Yes. My whole point is, it does not require any grand big action for us to make a difference. There are things that you can do and I can do to learn how to love that transforms our community and things that we can do as a church that will make a difference to reduce the fear and the violence and all the angst that is out there. If we want to heal the deeper dysfunction and to push back the culture of fear and violence, then it starts right here with you and with me, loving our neighbor, neighbor and saving our children from poverty and despair. If we buy into the fear, if we buy into the violence, and if we give into the hopeful, hopelessness, then we might as well just throw our hands up and say, oh well. But we are a cathedral of hope, Houston, not the cathedral of, oh well, Houston. <laughs> Two years ago, at my ordination, I preached a sermon titled, Press On. This one, of course, is much different from that one, but I'm going to end it in a similar way. As a congregation, are we ready to press on past the violence? Yes. Yes. Are we ready to press on past the fear? Yes. Are we ready to press on to create a love that restores community? Are we ready to press on to loving our neighbor? Yes. Are we ready to press on to loving creation? Yes. Are we ready to press on to loving our children? Yes. It's not that God needs us. I think more than anything, I believe we're starting to realize that we need So that your love and the gospel 
may be spread. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.